0: And welcome to the Peaceful Pastures podcast, finding peace in the pastures, spending 10 minutes each day with your shepherd. I am Pastor Daniel Lewig, and this podcast is brought to you by Christ Countryside Ministries, the regional ministries of St. John's Hill Point, Trinity Lime Ridge, and Bethlehem Richland Center. On day two, we capture the context. We recognize our world today is just a little bit different than the world at the time of the Bible. There are customs, practices, idioms, descriptions of locations that are lost on us. On this day, we take the opportunity to explore the context of the chapters in front of us. Yesterday, we listened to chapters 5 through 8 of Genesis. Let's explore what's taking place surrounding this lesson. But let us first begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, sanctify us through your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. In chapter 5, we are led to ask the question, what is the purpose of a genealogy? That is primarily what we see here in in this chapter. Well, there's two things that we look at. First, a purpose of a genealogy is for historical records. And here we see that type of accuracy and detailed records we see a pattern that repeats a three-step process how old the patriarch was when he fathered the the next link in the in the line and then how long the rest of his life was and finally his total lifespan but the second reason for a genealogy here in genesis is because this is no ordinary line after genesis chapter 3 verse 15 the seed of the woman, the offspring of the woman, the promise that that offspring would crush the serpent's head. This now becomes a historical record of the line of the Savior, the messianic genealogy. And so we will see genealogies taking place throughout the Old Testament and into the New. The very first chapter of the Gospel of Matthew goes back to this genealogy to connect it to Jesus. But what we also see in in Genesis chapter 5 is unusual lifespans. Whether it's the conditions of the earth allowed for longer lifespans or whether this was something that God allowed in order to fill the earth. Scripture doesn't record for us. There's two people that are mentioned that don't follow that three-step pattern, and that's Enoch and Lamech. Enoch is recorded as never having tasted death, that he walked on this earth and then was no more. God's people were already at this time aware of the fact of another life beyond the grave, of life after death. And this is the earliest recorded example in Scripture of that. Lamech, here our writer, pauses the genealogy for the account of Noah and then picks that genealogy back up in chapter 9. But before we get to Noah, what chapter 5 shows us is sin's full effect in the world. Contrast verses 1 and 2 with verse 3. How God made man in his own image, but then Adam made his descendants in his own image. Adam began his life in a state of perfection. His descendants began life in a state of imperfection. The full result of sin's effect is the three words that are recorded after each person in that genealogy, then he died. Then he died. It's like the tolling of a funeral bell. After each person, after it's recorded their their life, when they had their their child, the next link in the messianic genealogy, and they record the total lifespan, and then he died. This goes back to what was... Promised in the Garden of Eden, when you eat of this, when you eat from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. The people waited for the promised Savior to come from the, this line to reverse sin's cycle. And Enoch was one of those examples of those who trusted in the promise and found the life that God intended. In chapter 6, we see another contrast talking about the sons of God marrying the daughters of men. What this is saying is believers marrying unbelievers. And instead of this leading to drawing more people to God, the opposite happens. More people are led astray from God. Humanity plunges into unbelief. Humanity descends into the depravity of sin. And God is abandoned. Scripture only records one family here that stays connected to God. God looked at what had happened and it caused him to act. Before he does, he gives a period of 120 years to come to repentance. When it mentions that number here in, in this chapter, that 120 years is not talking about a lifespan, but it's talking about the number of years that God is providing for people to come to repentance, to come back to him. Here again, in the face of sin, we see the patient love of God. The other one to note is that the Nephilim. That word is used here. Who were the Nephilim? Well, that word is a transliteration of a Hebrew word. In the verse itself, it says that powerful, famous men of ancient times. Com- commentaries describe this as ruthless tyrants that ruled over the, over the earth. As all of this takes place, the easy question for us to ask in this in this portion of scripture is why would God do this? Why would God send a flood? The, the flood shows us two key things. number one, that God is serious about sin. Number two, that God is serious about preserving believers in the line of the Savior. As sin overwhelmed the earth, the line of the Savior was threatened. And so God moves to act so, to preserve his promise to send a Savior. Chapter 6, verse 8 gives us a, a bright spot in an otherwise dark chapter when it says, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. That word favor here also could be translated as grace. Again, grace is that word that means undeserved love. So here God brings Noah into the salvation history. The genealogy is stopped. Lamech is mentioned in reference to being the father of Noah. And here God pauses to say, how he preserves that line of the Savior through Noah. If you ever have the opportunity to go to just outside of Cincinnati to the ark encounter, there is a life-size ark that has been built. A chance to see with your own eyes what that would look like, Uh, to stand next to it, to see just how huge of a structure that Noah was tasked with building. It's worth a a trip if you have that that opportunity just for the the visual uh, in your mind. Chapter 7 deals with the timeline. It mentions that seven days after Noah and his family entered the ark, the flood began. Then it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. And for 150 days, waters overwhelmed the earth. On the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, the ark rested on Mount Ararat, which is located in modern-day eastern Turkey, somewhere in that area. But it wasn't until the second month of that next year, on the 21st day of the month, that the earth was dry. This spent seven more months on the ark. In all, it was a little over a year that Noah and his family and all the animals would spend on that ark. Note in this chapter the precise dating and precise details. Chapter 8 begins with a very key phrase God remembered Noah. You'll note throughout the Old Testament, you will see this phrase, but God remembered, and then fill in the blank for the name. That phrase always means a couple of things to keep in mind. It always means that God is about to act. He is about to show his kindness to that person. We're going to see that name or that phrase a couple of times yet in Genesis itself. What a blessing it is that God remembers his people. This doesn't mean that he forgot about Noah or lost track of Noah. What that phrase always means is right after you hear that phrase, then you see God acting in grace and mercy towards that person. What a blessing it is that God remembers us, that he shows his kindness to us. You can take an opportunity to look back on those times in your life when something major happened. And you can use that phrase as well. But God remembered me. And then watch and see how God helped you in in those key moments and key situations in your life. God continues to remember his people. The account of the flood is an example of from destruction to deliverance. This is how God preserved his people. This is how God preserved his promise, and ultimately how he preserves his promise to you and me as well. Out of thanks for God's preservation and keeping his family safe, the first thing that Noah does when he gets off of the ark is to build an altar. And he presented an offering that showed his dedication to the Lord. This was the renewed dedication of of people to their their God. And so chapter 8 ends with the promise, with God's promise, that he will never again allow a flood to destroy the earth. He leaves the rainbow as a sign of that promise for ages to come. We give thanks that God keeps all of his promises. We give thanks that God preserves and protects his people, not only then, but today as well. This wraps up today's podcast. We invite you to join in next time and take the opportunity to share our podcast with someone in your life who could use some peace in the pastures. You can find our podcast on all major podcasting platforms. If you have any questions, feel free to contact us at Christ Countryside Wells, W-E-L-S, at yahoo.com. Our podcast is brought to you by Christ Countryside Ministries, the regional ministry of St. John's Hill Point, Trinity Lime Ridge, and Bethlehem Richland Center. Music used with permission from Koine, part of their soundtrack to Oh That the Lord Would Guide My Ways. You can find their music on iTunes and many other online musical stores. Scripture used in this podcast is from the Evangelical Heritage Version, used with permission from the Wartburg Project. This is Pastor Daniel Lewig wishing you God's richest blessings on your day.